This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner. And before I tell you what we're doing today, I wanted to tell you about something cool that's coming up in a few weeks. Uh, We have started a Facebook Live night once a month for parents with children of all ages. We were running this watch party a couple of months ago, and uh, we really enjoyed, you know, having a group of people meet together to be equipped and encouraged. We had over 500 people on the list, and we thought we'd want to continue that when you can just reach in, tune in for a half hour and get some specific equipping. So last month, we uh, focused on sleep problems and uh, what could we do to help our kids um, find sleep and peace and God in the nighttime? How do we we deal with night terrors, all those things, and, you know, how we help our teenagers, you know, wrestle with all the stuff that teenagers wrestle with as well. Uh, the format is we start at eight o'clock and we do a half hour, um, really taking the topic and applying it to under five's parents. Then at 8.30, you want to tune in and we'll take the topic and focus it on for primary school children. Uh, and then at nine o'clock, because we know all you parents of teenagers are up late, uh, we do a half hour focusing on how the topic applies to teenagers and how to parent teenagers through it. Last time we did sleep problems and this week uh, coming up, uh, we'll be doing on beauty and manliness. How do we help our kids in a world that tells them that they need to be beautiful and they need to be a man? How do we help them find a godly core of confidence in the midst of it all? That will be on the Monday the 10th. Evidently, there's only one Monday. That's a 10th every year, every week. No, every month. (laughs) And uh, we do it on the 10th. Monday of the month. And uh, so it's coming up soon. Have a look on the Facebook page. Have a look at parentingforfaith.org and you'll find out more. But today we're talking about what to do when resources don't work. We're asking the question, how do we avoid Jesus is my buddy for under fives? Because it can be complicated. Their brains are small. How do we help unwind that Jesus is my buddy when you find that that's something they latch on to? And uh, Becky is bringing something about no one size fits all. Okay, so resources. If you are like me, you are a parent who buys a lot of Christian stuff <laughs> for their kid. Uh, I think it's like an instinct partially because we don't know that it's out there and then you find it at a conference or something and you're like, whoa, a book on this? How cool is that? Or we see a new Bible and we're like, that's beautiful. Our child will absolutely love that. Uh, and we want to resource our kids' faith. We want to give them things, um, DVDs and music and Uh, books that help their faith and so we can buy these for our kids and um, not all of them work if you (laughs) if you are like me Uh, and so um, we all buy things we've all experienced it we 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 buy stuff and it doesn't quite do what we thought it would be doing and by the fourth time we're like this isn't working what do we do Uh, and uh, parenting for faith we talk about one tool is surfing the waves how do we surf the waves of our kids spiritual interest and resource that for the next step and help them you know on their journey of surfing whatever wave god has them on right now and uh, and sometimes we feel like it's quite hit or miss with resources and what do we do with that do we just resign ourselves to a pile of stuff and money that we spent uh i want to help us what do we do when it doesn't work uh so 
surfing the waves, remember, is about spotting what's coming, paddling at the right speed, and when it ends. And I want to give us a few tips on what to do uh, when it comes to resources and stuff. So one, well done for trying. Uh, Half of the uh, parenting journey is trying stuff that doesn't work. I don't know. (laughs) uh, I sort of feel like parenting is a nonstop series of experiments. And this is just one more. So please don't feel bad. Don't feel uh, let down or disappointed in yourself because parenting is just trying stuff and you are trying stuff too. So one, release yourself from any shame. Uh, Two, uh, what I find sometimes is that we buy the resource because we think the resource looks interesting, not because it's actually responding to a wave. Um, Some of us are really good at being like, wow, that's a fascinating Bible. But right now, that's not what my kid's interested in. So I'm going to walk away from it. Uh, Now, this could just be talking about my hoarding uh, situation. But I'm like, what a great resource. I am sure this will come in handy. Uh, And so one, look for the waves that are actually on the rise. What is actually coming up? Uh, And facilitate the immediate rather than facilitate the future. My kid is beginning to learn to read. Therefore, I should buy the next five Bibles that she should need. Probably not needed. Um, What is the wave that they are riding now? They are, and then facilitate that. So um, if they're becoming to be interested in the Bible, uh, in your Bible, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, and so therefore, keep that going for a little bit and then suggest, hey, do you want one on your own? Uh, and if that's a no, that's absolutely fine. We can continue using mine. And um, resource the immediate next step. Uh, if your kid's like, I don't want to go to the kids group. I'm just interested in staying here. Okay, feel free to stay there. That's your next step. Or, uh, ooh, my kid's asking questions at bedtime and they want to ask another two. All right, I'll stay for those extra two faith questions at nighttime. Or uh, there's a faint suggestion of, hey, let's do church at home one time. You're like, that's really interesting. When do you want to do that? Absolutely. And then suggest it a little bit later. Um, pay attention to the small and facilitate the small so that so that not every wave that they have actually requires a resource. Uh, There are times when they're like, I really want to start reading the Bible on my own. And you're like, excellent, let's go buy you a Bible. Uh, Or um, when your kid um, really is into science and you're like, excellent, I need to buy the Lully Giglio undescribable, indescribable book, which is like a series of 100 devotions on science and faith. Excellent. Like, bang on, that's a resource you need. Um, But not every wave requires a resource. And uh, so facilitate the immediate and keep an eye out for a resource that may be useful if that's the next step for them. Uh, Another thing, uh, I think it's number three if you're counting, is uh, make the suggestion before you buy. Uh, so to come to come home and be like, ooh, I saw this thing at church that was like this thing that uh, that went through all the Disney princesses and talked about the characters of uh, of God in it, all the fruits of the spirit and how it can be seen in Disney characters. Uh, does that sound like something that would be fun to do? And if your kid looks you in the eyes and goes, no, that's lame, then you're like, phew, glad I didn't buy that. But if they go, oh, that sounds fun. You're like, interesting. Shall I get it? Yes. Ooh, okay. Then you can go to Amazon and go get it together. Uh, and so really making the suggestion before you buy it, it saves a lot of pain just from someone. 
Uh, and the fourth thing is, don't worry. Sometimes it is inexplicable. Sometimes your kid is like, I love, oh, this, I love uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, I knew a kid I was working with, loved Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh my goodness, like dressed like it all the time, read it multiple times, watched both movies ultimate times. And I found a book that was a book that basically was the gospel according to Willy Wonka. And it looked at all of the gospel parallels within Willy Wonka and who God was. And I was like, this is genius. Bought the book, gave it to the kid. <laughs> and the kid was like, no, never read it. Never read it. How in the world did this child never read this book? I have no idea. It was inexplicable, but you know, it was fine. But I couldn't figure it out. And that's okay. So sometimes it doesn't make sense. But what is really useful is I will guarantee you there are parents in your church who similarly have a pile of books that haven't worked or a pile of DVDs that didn't work or some CDs that their children didn't like. Uh, and it might be really useful to make a... Um, it might be really useful to make a parent's library. I know many churches who have done this, where they just get a box and everyone brings in the stuff that didn't work for their kid, but anyone else can take. And, uh, and sometimes they do it as a library. Sometimes they do it as a giveaway. But uh, facilitate other parents because the resource that you bought that totally bombed with your kid may be perfect for somebody else's kid. So work it together as a network because... Uh, because it's all about helping surf the waves of your kid's spiritual life. And sometimes we'll nail it and sometimes we won't. And that's okay. But as a community, we'll find the next step together. Today's question is, do you have any tips for avoiding creating the Jesus is my buddy scenario for under fives when it's maybe hard for them to grasp God's wider plan or mission beyond themselves or their personal friends and family? I think it's a really great question. In Parenting for Faith, we often talk about unwinding wrong views of God. Uh, we talk about... Um, Basically, that kids' views of God are constantly being shaped, and it's the lens through which they see God. And it's our job to help coach that along and help their view of God be as accurate as possible so they can truly respond to Him. And in the book and in the course, we talk about different views of God that can get warped commonly in children. And one of them is the Jesus is my buddy, that uh, Jesus becomes nothing more than uh, our sidekick. He wants to be with us. He wants to do everything that we want to do. And he's basically this personality-less God that uh, accompanies us wherever we go. And uh, how do we unwind that? And we talk in the book and the course about unwinding that. And if you want to know more, feel free to go to the parentingforfaith.org website and you can look under course and uh, or even the key tools and you'll find that there. But uh, this Jesus, my buddy, for under fives gets a bit tricky because we're trying to shape our kids to know that God is present, that God is kind, that God loves them. And that is very easily shaped into the Jesus is my friend that comes with me all the time. And there's absolute truth in that. And that is foundational to how we want them to understand and behave in the world. Um, and so when we're unwinding, when we're when we're helping to bring health to a a twisted view or an unbalanced view of God. Um, remember, we're not swinging to the end. We're not looking at our kids and going, no, three-year-old Jesus is not your buddy. Uh, we are, all we're doing is bringing more of who God is to expand that truth for kids. Uh, and 
So if we are talking to our under fives and helping them know that God loves them and is with them and God loves playing with them and loves hearing them chat to him, all those things that we're telling them, the the counteraction to sort of broaden this is to talk about God's purpose, that God is active and out there in the world he is helping. And uh, the question of how we do that with an under five is interesting. What I suggest is if you're wanting to bring balance to the Jesus is my buddy view is that you come up with a phrase and it will be a phrase that only you will know because you know your kid's brain much more than I do. But come up with a phrase that keeps anchoring the truth that while God is our buddy and is close to us and loves us, he is also has his own plans and purposes and is out there in the world and doing things. So it could be something as simple as God is always doing something or God never stops helping and loving. Or what is God doing now? You can come up with a phrase that you just repeat over and over and over again. So as you're telling about your day, you can say, so I was at my work and it was really interesting. And then I thought, God is always doing something. So then I asked him, God, what are you doing today? And then he told me and it was really interesting. Or I was listening to my friend and I thought, God is always doing something. And he knows what's happening in their brains. So I asked them a question. And if you pick a phrase that will then help root the truth, that God is always doing something. God is always active. God is a God with plans and purposes. Um, Then that just anchors that truth. So as we say, God is loving, God is with you, God is kind, God, uh, God wants to hear every word that comes out of your mouth, but God is also out there in the world doing something and he's active and he has plans we don't know or understand because he's doing so many things. It's exciting. So I would suggest you come up with a phrase so that as you're doing a great job of helping your kid know God in their everyday life, you just pick that phrase to drop in that balance of the anchor that God is also out there in the world and doing something. Today's wild card is from Becky Sedgwick, who is our local church coordinator for Parenting for Faith. She's the one who is super wise in helping local churches become places where Parenting for Faith can flourish. She encourages people who run courses. She writes material to help encourage and support and equip and train local uh, church leaders. And she's fantastic. And she has something on offer for us today. Let's listen. I've recently taken up running. I've been doing one of those Couch to 5K programs and I'm absolutely ecstatic to let you know that I can now run 5K. It's amazing. But one of the byproducts of my taking up running has been that in order to counter the boredom, I've started listening to podcasts. So I bought one of those fancy things that holds your phone and I've got earphones that always fall out. Does anybody else have that problem? But anyway, I've taken to listening to podcasts. And the other day I'm running along and I heard an interview with a journalist called Caroline Criado Perez, who's released a book called Exposing Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. Basically, she's talking about how most things, technology, drugs, design, are based on data sets that fit men. So I had no idea. It turns out that the average smartphone is too big for the average woman to hold comfortably because its size is based on the average man's hand. Voice recognition software is mostly based on men's voices, so tend not to work so well for women. 
apparently we're going to have to speak very low to have them understand us well. Drug testing, and this is getting a bit serious now, often doesn't take into account our what they call more complicated bodies, i.e. our menstrual cycle. So many drugs don't work as well for women as men, and some can even have unexpected side effects at certain times of the month. And oh, this is why I got really cross. The crash dummies, which are used to make sure our cars are safe, are all based on a male body. Because, of course, women don't drive, but we do. And we are smaller on average, shorter and all have a different muscle distribution. So the seat belts aren't right for us. The pedals are too far away. The seats aren't configured quite right, which means that, wait for it, women are 47% more likely to be seriously injured in a crash and 17% more likely to die. I was appalled. I had no idea. I thought the world was right. And it turns out it is. But only if you're a man. Now, I'm not going to let this turn into a feminist rant, but it did get me thinking. I was brought up in a church that loved preaching. If a sermon wasn't 45 minutes long, full of complicated words and zooming all over the Bible, it wasn't a preach. And to this day, I expect meaty theological sermons. But the truth is, I lose concentration after 10 minutes and usually less. Sermons don't work for me. They just don't fit who I am. It's the same with prayer. I was taught to pray by a church that loved prayer meetings. Now, don't get me wrong. I really love the power of prayer. And I'll often ask my sister to get her prayer group to intercede for something. And they do. But I'm not really fond of prayer meetings. I get all stressed about the is it my turn to speak thing. And then I'm flummoxed by the fluency of the prayer before me who's prayed the most beautiful, articulate, heartfelt prayer. And mine sound like confused ramblings in comparison. And then, of course, there's quiet time. I knew from an early age that Christians need to have a quiet time. I have never cracked quiet time. I've tried it in many ways, using Bible notes, not using Bible notes, journaling, in the morning, in the evening, at midday, but I just can't do it. For a long time, all those things troubled me. I didn't follow sermons well. I found prayer meetings hard. And I just hope no one found out that I didn't have a quiet time. And all this while I was employed by a church to lead their kids' work. But what I've realised is that I'd inherited ways of doing things that fitted someone else, not me. And as I've got older, I've stumbled across my way of doing things with God. My learning doesn't tend to happen in a sermon, but in conversations, particularly with my best friend from church, who challenges and stretches me. My prayer life is very rarely articulate but it is pretty much non-stop as I chatter to God throughout the day. And as for the quiet time, I still don't have one. The thing is, there's no one size fits all with God. I love this passage from Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. 
When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. When I read that, it fills me with relief. I'm like me because that's how God made me. And so I will connect to him in a way that's uniquely me. And it doesn't matter if it's not like anyone else. There's two things I'd love to encourage you with. The first is that our kids are the same. You might find that they don't connect to God like you do, or even how their siblings do, because they are uniquely made by God, and he and they will have their own special ways to connect. And the second is this. I spent a long time feeling not quite good enough because I was trying to connect to God in ways that didn't fit me well. So be kind to yourself. Find yours and God's unique way of connecting, whether that's pray Zumba or silent retreats or something in between. And then enjoy the presence and love of your Heavenly Father, who made you just as you are. And today's question to start a conversation is this. If you could be in charge of anything at church, what would you want to be in charge of? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.